I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the live action movie Hook, which is not technically a live action version of Disney's Peter Pan, but I feel safe saying is the best Peter Pan movie we've watched in the last month. So yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Who wants to do a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis of this one? I can try. <laughs> We're looking at each other. <laughs> um, Peter is the father of uh, two kids uh, and his wife. And he is a lawyer who is is too busy for time with his family. His wife gets him to take a trip to London uh, to honor uh, her grandmother, Wendy. And which, uh, yeah, Peter's afraid to fly. So there's a whole uh, scene with that. But on the night that they do the um, banquet, yeah, banquet, yeah. Uh, to honor Wendy, his children are kidnapped by Captain Hook. So Peter, uh, turns out he's actually the Peter Pan. Uh, Wendy is the Wendy darling who met Peter Pan and, you know, took the trip to Neverland. And um, Captain Hook stole Peter's children because he wants to fight Peter Pan. So Peter goes to Neverland to rescue his children, but he's all grown up now. So he has to remember who he was so that he can um, save his children and defeat Captain Hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. Great. Very nice, babe. Very nice. Um, yeah. What did, what did we think of this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's enjoyable. It's a bit long, but you don't really feel it because yeah. like they like I think the pacing is really good of bringing you into where he's at and all of that. Yeah, I mean it feels like just about every scene is necessary to move the plot and characters forward besides something that I'll talk about later, <laughs> but that I personally could have done without. Um and maybe the end fight stuff could have been shorter, but it was, it, was, fun, yeah. it was fun. So like it's it's cathartic, especially as a child. I think. Um, so yeah, 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 I mean, I, I I agree. It was just fun. I I forgot how much I really enjoyed and loved this movie, but it was super fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was delightful. Well, it's good that we think so because critics uh, at the time were much more mixed. Um, they praised their performances, particularly those of Williams and Hoffman, um, and John Williams' musical score and the production values, but they criticized the screenplay and tone. Although it did end up being a commercial success, its box office take was much lower than expected, and uh, Spielberg himself later came to be pretty disappointed with the film. It has gained a strong cult following since its release, though, and I think that's deserved. I watched this a lot as a kid, so I I think it's maybe worth noting, at least, that I'm very biased because... Like I could, I could watch this and recognize some of its flaws, and yet I was still just having such a good time the whole time because it's so nostalgic for me. I don't know, so that's gonna affect some of what I think about it. But then again, 
we did a uh, quest for Camelot, and I had a lot of no- nostalgia for that, too, and I was still able to rake that thing over the coals, so. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, flaws are flaws. I mean, it, it, it frustrates me, choices that writers and directors make, but yeah. at least, I mean, it, it, it's just for listeners, it's, it's not problematic like the first uh, Peter Pan. It, There's yeah. not racism and, and, and all of that and and. and there's a tiny bit, but yeah, it's not an integral part of the plot like it was for the original. Um, yeah, no, this this movie has some problems. It's not a perfect movie, no. but it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, I think this movie is a lot of fun, and I think it deserves to have a cult following and kind of be reappraised by the generation that watched it as children. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think what you said, Valerie, kind of says a lot that the two hours didn't feel, two hours, 20 minutes, didn't really feel that long because I was so engaged. There wasn't, there weren't parts that just drug or, yeah. again, I think we, it may be, it'll be interesting to see if we come up with the same things. There were, there was, you know, a few things that I could have done without, but they weren't real long scenes. And so, yeah, this just kept me very engaged. Let's get specific, by which I mean, let's hear me deliver some fun facts and then get specific. <laughs> okay. Oh, <this> sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, so here's some stuff about production. Steven uh, Spielberg, you know, you know, that guy. Say Steven Buscemi. <laughs> no, Steven Spielberg uh, began developing the film in the early 1980s with Walt Disney Pictures and Paramount Pictures, uh, which would have followed the storyline seen in the 1924 silent film and the 1953 animated Disney film. It entered pre-production in 1985, but Spielberg abandoned the project due to the birth of his son, Max. Scriptwriter James Hart continued to develop the script with director Nick Castle and TriStar Pictures before Spielberg decided to direct in 1989. It was shot almost entirely on sound stages at Sony Picture Studios in Culver City, California. Hmm. Um, so yeah, this was like a thing that Spielberg was really passionate about making, but then decided he wasn't going to make. But then when they were still going to make it anyways, he was like, well, actually, I will do it, though. <laughs> like, without without me? Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I do need to be a part of this, though. Uh, Hart, the, the, um, who was developing the script, uh, was working on the project with his son, Jake, uh, when his sh- son, Jake, showed his family a drawing. We asked Jake what it was, and he said it was a crocodile eating Captain Hook, but that the crocodile really didn't eat him. He got away. Hart reflected. As it happens, I had been trying to crack Peter Pan for years, but I didn't just want to do a remake. So I went, wow, Hook's not dead. The crocodile is. We've all been fooled. In 1986, our family was having dinner and Jake said, Daddy, did Peter Pan ever grow up? My immediate response was, no, of course not. And Jake said, but what if he did? I realized that Peter did grow up, just like all of us baby boomers who are now in our 40s. I patterned him after several of my friends on Wall Street where the, where the pirates wear three-piece suits and ride in limos. Spielberg's onset relationship with Julia Roberts was troubled, and he later admitted this in an interview with 60 Minutes. It was an unfortunate time for us to work together. In a 1999 Vanity Fair interview, Roberts said that Spielberg's comments really hurt her feelings. She couldn't believe this person that I knew and trusted was actually hesitating to come to my defense. It was the first time that I felt I had a turncoat in my midst. So yeah, there was some rough feelings between the two of them. In the 90s, especially because of this. Um, I don't have a whole, whole lot of details on that, but that is um, 
I guess something to keep in mind when thinking about Tinkerbell scenes and acting and all of that. Mm-hmm. I've never liked Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell, personally. I just, I remember, I mean, that's the one part about it, in fact, of all mm-hmm. the actors and actresses. Um, I just, you know, just who I think of Tink, you know, when I, even watching the first two with little Tinkerbell and her little sassiness and her personality and her, Julie Roberts just didn't portray that for me. And then too, I never wondered, I I always wondered about their choice of what she wore and her hair. And she just, she didn't. I like how she looks when she look, when she has more of the Tinkerbell that I know from Disney outfit and the short hair, I don't like how she looks outside of that when she's not looking like that. Yeah. Um, which is also probably just reflective of what I think of those scenes, but we'll get there eventually. Um, yeah, I don't, I remembered not enjoying her in this role more than I actually didn't enjoy her in it now. I, 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 me too. Yeah. I know this sounds weird. I mean, there were, there were just some parts now. I mean, that, that yeah. I would say bothered me for like, she was a little bit better than what my memory of her because, and I really like Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. you know, as an actress and I've, I've liked oh, yeah, it's most just of her movies, whether you like but her I never character. really had liked her and, and I was not looking forward to her being in the, I mean, to, mm-hmm. for this portrayal, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. Yeah. I, I think I overall enjoyed her in in at least the first half of the movie. Um, I think I definitely prefer the Disney version of Tinkerbell that is both silent and meaner. <laughs> um, but I think this version of Tinkerbell overall works pretty well for what this movie wants to do in a way that that Disney version of Tinkerbell might not. I don't know. I'm curious about her... Like, yes, she was meaner in the Disney ones, but she was always, it was in the context of dealing with Wendy or um, Jane or Jane. So it's like, oh, well, I guess it would make sense for her to be nicer to Pan. Yeah. In this sense. Um, So, yeah, like, if she were meaner in the story, how would she be meaner? Because she doesn't have... I don't necessarily... I guess when I say meaner, I don't necessarily even mean that she has to actually be mean so much as I feel like some of the sharpness of her general personality feels sanded off. She yeah, just, I guess so. She just feels really sweet in a way that I don't necessarily think the Disney version is incapable of, but, like, there's more to her than that, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily feel like that's the case with this version. Yeah, I wonder if it would have come out... It could have come out more whenever the Lost Boys were not believing in Pan. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could see her getting more upset and, like, maybe... Uh, being meaner and trying to get them to like believe her and Maybe. that it's Peter and stuff. I don't, I don't know. So what? Real quick, was the friction then between her and Spielberg that mm-hmm. people didn't like her portrayal and he didn't? No, know it was on set what? stuff. No, it's on oh, set just stuff. On set stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it had to do with on set stuff. Nothing with the actual reception of the movie. And well, okay. When was again? When did this come? Well, do you know? In in the uh, movie came to- out in nineteen ninety one. Okay, where was that as far as some of her heyday, like Pretty Woman and other I things don't, like that? I don't, I'm not a Julia Roberts stan, Mom. Oh, okay. I don't know so, when yeah. her movies so, came yeah, out. I, just I want if... to say this is before Pretty Woman, but I am, can't quote me on that. I'm not for sure. Hmm. So, yeah. So I just wonder if he thought that you she was, look it up she to was make more. Sure. I just wondered if he thought she was kind of a prima donna or something or just, you know, like, you know, 
too demanding, or I don't know. Yeah, Pretty Woman was 1990. Oh, so this was around, this was around so, the same so time. So this would have been in her heyday. Yeah. I mean, meaning like when she was just, just a big superstar, so I wonder if... I don't know if he yeah, like she I, was too difficult to work. I don't know, with. and there are look it up. there are probably places that have more details, so I don't I don't care to speculate. Yeah, yeah. but okay. suffice to say, they weren't on good terms. Um, and who whoever's fault that more or less was, who, it doesn't matter. They weren't on good terms. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk some. Let's do that getting specific thing. Let's talk some story and and some characters, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I will say that I really enjoy, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, Jack and and uh, Maggie, the ch- uh, Jack, um, Peter Pan's children. They were just great little actress and actor. They were immediately and, really and compelling. Just, and, and, they, and the whole time, they just, I just loved, yeah, I, I just loved their, their little acting. Um, I really liked Moira, um, his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was delightful. Um, and of course I love, uh, she had some real good, Moira had some real good acting at the end that made me feel emotion. Oh, I know. It's like acting. Yes. I mean, again, she was, she was delightful. Um, I loved, and there's some, I've still might, well, I haven't decided on my favorite scene that's at the end, but I just mean, I, there are some really good scenes in here that's going to be hard to choose is what I'm saying. Um, but I, I loved, uh, I mean, I loved Captain Hook, um, Mm -hmm. and I love Smeed. Uh, Smee? Smee. Why would you say Smeed? I don't know, (laughs) Smeed. Mr. Smee. Spoilers, he left the ship, so he was Smeed then. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Smee. Uh, But yeah, yeah. So just some great, great characters. Yeah. uh, Interestingly, um, for Hook, there were some other people that were considered before they landed on Dustin Hoffman. Uh, They also considered David Bowie, Christopher Lloyd, and Donald Sutherland for the role. Hmm. Should all have been... Interesting take, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Peter, um, Spielberg actually originally really wanted Tom Hanks to do the role. Um, but then, of course, it ended up being Robin Williams. So imagine Tom Hanks in this movie. I know. And I can't I also can't imagine uh, Donald Sutherland and some of the other actors that you mentioned for Christopher Hook. Lloyd. Can I you imagine know. Christopher Lloyd? No, he he'd be. He would have been just like. Over he might have been top. too over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 D- Dustin like reined it in just enough. He was, he was theatrical. Yeah, he was. not the same. He was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I and two is because what Dustin Hoffman pulled off, I feel like, is that really good combination of being just so eccentric and and whatever, but. Uh, but then very menacing. I mean, yeah. like very lethal. <laughs> yeah, you know? he definitely, yeah, he definitely does both like parts well. The kind, the theatricality, but also the menace is both there, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just in case you're listening and, and wondering, yes, we do know Dustin Hoffman sucks and we will talk more about it later. But um, we did enjoy his acting in this. He's good actor despite other things. Um, and Robin Williams was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I and really, so as far as overall and, and story arc, I really love how they developed his character. I feel like there was really great growth and depth and, and, and contrast of, of the pan before 
And then, um, you know, once he became Peter Pan, you know, remembered. Um, yeah, very, very nice story. And and, and compelling to me. I, again, I, I loved the... I love the twist, the the added layers of of like of then the subplot with with uh, Hook trying to win over his children and 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 kind of you know do to defeat Pan in that sense and especially with his son since little Maggie wasn't really buying any of it. You're just a mean old man who needs a mommy. <laughs> I loved her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Story wise, I think it's interesting. Kind of what they did with memory. To, I guess, make some of these threads work better, uh, both in, like, Peter's case and Jack's case. Um, yeah. It, um, very, very light spoilers, vague spoilers for your name. It reminds me a little of that in terms of how the things that they, the characters are dealing with kind of creates a certain level of memory fog basically mm -hmm. um which is which is interesting that's not it's honestly not an aspect of this film that i remembered as right. a kid it's not it's not something that i remembered was a part of how the plot operates but it does make it make some of the things make more sense certainly um yeah i don't know mm -hmm. and i like the element i mean that really comes to life in the storytelling the aspect of Neverland where you start losing your memories of reality and and your past. And so it, it, at the point that his son Jack was not remembering, it was believable to me at that point. Uh, how did you guys feel about the fact that mermaids are still immediately horny for Peter in this version? <laughs> okay, so I actually have a whole thing on that. Oh, not, yeah? Not the mermaids, but oh, okay. like... The the uh mag magnetism of Peter, Peter. Uh, -huh. uh to Peter uh of Do you want that order. now or is that like how the hold up territory? What do you think? Whichever. Okay. Do you want me to do it now? I want uh, yeah, I want you to do it now. Yeah, I, I mean hear it. <laughs> not even the mermaids in the beginning with Wendy. Like there was a little bit of uh romance, whatever, there. Uh so I, I can't decide if I like or appreciate that 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 thread that was actually in the original animated movie of like girls just do that uh or did they say then the sequel regardless like like what happens is girls just do that to peter <laughs> and so it's like wendy she had feelings for him these mermaids are like kiss uh Air giving you air, maybe yeah, helping helping you with air, um, but also making out a little bit. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess if if we talk about scenes that could have been shorter, that would be one for me. Yeah, could have been shorter. Uh, it's like three kisses that we had to see. Yeah, and I'm like, I just need the one is fine. I'm like, okay, they're blowing air into his mouth. I'm good. Yeah, and then you just take them away. Like that's all we need. But yep. regardless, yeah. So there was that. Uh, there's stuff in spoilers too, but I feel like, yeah, like, I get it. I think that doesn't come out of nowhere in the, like, mythos of Peter Pan. Yeah, whether or not it's a aspect of the mythos you appreciate, it is an aspect. Yes, I guess the only other things that, that didn't confirm it or could have been confirming it later was the, the, the other ladies that were on, uh, Neverland, on that island. 
they didn't interact with Peter, so we don't know. But they did have the hots for Smee. Yes. <laughs> they did, yes. yes they did. Um, Rufio is immediately also great. We we already talked about how Hook and Smee and the kids were immediately great. Oh, yes. Rufio was immediately yes, yes, great. Yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and the Lost Boys, the ones that we got to know, there are several that were just really darling. Yeah, they're... they're not all of them are even named and some of the names are hard to remember, but yeah, they're the, the ones that they kind of focus on that you like get to know the faces of they're, they're good. Uh, thud, butt is, uh, the, the one that I most remembered before watching this again. And, uh, for good reason, he's the best one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he is a doll. I think he was the main one that had like a heart to heart. Yeah, exactly. He gets a whole, that whole scene with Peter. That was so. a very good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, except for the uh, the little kid. Yes, who... let's talk oh, about the "Oh, there you are, Peter" love moment. That <laughs> so much. Okay, so so Rufio is of course like this. This isn't Peter. I'm not buying this. I'm the leader. I'm 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 the Peter now. So get rid of this old man. Uh, and he draws like a line in the sand, and he's like, "Be on this side if you don't believe that it's Peter." Uh, and so you know, most of the kids go to that side. But at first, there's only one kid that stays on Peter's side um and starts looking at his face basically um like and, well, and he, he, he like touches around, but yeah he kind he of circles him the... he like touches probably where that scar that he got from hook is um but then yeah he gets peter down on his knees and is just like looking in his face or whatever um just, like tugging his cheek yeah and, yeah like straightening out his wrinkles and, yeah and then at one point he like pushes his cheeks back to where he has like this awkward like smile and then he's like oh there you are peter and yeah. it just like made yeah. all of us tear up a bit yes. oh, just, <laughs> and then some yes. of course some of the uh, some of the kids come back and there's a back and forth and stuff but just like that moment like mm, that kid kid that kid and that directing you killed it that was beautiful yes yes Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Let's talk about that whole scene between Smee and Hook that I do need to give an, a suicide warning oh, for. Oh, yes. Um, this could potentially go in the How's It Hold Up section, but I'm going to have it here because it did make me laugh. But that scene was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, uh, Hook is... is upset about how this Peter thing has gone and he kind of feels like there's not any point to his life anymore. And so um, he decides to be very dramatic and uh, act like he is going to kill himself, which uh, Smee at one, at one point is like, oh, not again, which, you know, so obviously this has happened before, but the, again, suicide warning here, uh, not actual suicide attempt warning. Uh, he has a gun to his head um, and he's and he's like, don't you stop me, Smee. And he keeps repeating that until suddenly the don't disappears and he's like, stop me, Smee. And Smee has to rush over and stop him. And he's like, why, why did you let that go so long? Come on. Like, he's upset with him. Cause yeah, it's like, gets, yeah. So it's like there's this implicit understanding between them that like he's never going to act actually do that but he does need to act really dramatic here and act like he's going to mm -hmm. and so obvi obviously all of that's super problematic <laughs> and um if that sort of thing seems triggering to you uh i'm sorry for you having to listen to me describe it and also maybe skip that scene but um 
I I did laugh. I did find just like the the timing and the acting of that very amusing. Yeah, it was uh, a good scene to illustrate their relationship of him. I guess like the control, like he's the leader or whatever. But I don't know. It's it was interesting. It was funny. I found it funny. Yeah, and well, and too, I I, I think when you put it into context that. The they had a long standing relationship that he obviously this isn't the first time he's done this, um, you know it was just I think that's what made it what made it so funny is again that the their interactions with him and the timing and the dialogue and how he just went from that don't you dare stop me don't you dare stop me don't you to stop me stop me you know and then gosh are you a sadist or something you're why yeah. in the world did you waste all, you know it it just it Which this really might fun. also be a good time to talk about the the very good chemistry that Bob Hoskins and Daniel Hoffman have with these two Dustin. characters. Dustin, yeah. They they play off each other very well. They are both clearly playing these characters as gay, and it's great. <laughs> um, you know, certainly that could be problematic to, probably, you know, gay villains and stuff, uh, and combined with the suicide thing. Um, but they are... A lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. and I I genuinely feel like Bob Hoskins is having such a good time. It feel it just it feels like he's constantly just really having a great time hamming it up. Uh, For yeah, sure. the he's, baseball scene was one of the best yes. times to see him. Just oh, gosh, yes, for it. funny. Would I have recognized him from anything else? Bob yes. Hoskins. He's I mean he's been in a lot of things. The other things that come to mind for me are Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, mm. Oh my gosh, the lead guy in mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. and um, one of the Mario Brothers in the ah. Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, okay, no, yes, I didn't see that, that should be top two. <laughs> top I guess two, three. I guess three. Two. Yeah, this is in the top three Bob Hoskins movies. The third one being, of course, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that I've seen him in. Um, but uh, he's, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. I know. Yeah, and and I would also say that that whole scene, what was delightful to me about it is not only did he did Captain Hook have an incredible ship and cat and cabin, all of the elaborate things yes. in there, but just like the uh, the timing and the oh how in sync Smee and and Hook are yeah. with their routines um, in the first movie with the uh, was one of my favorite scenes with the shaving scene. Um, before the crocodile comes up, or and all, and it, well, after the crocodile came, and he's trying to calm him down and giving him a shave and stuff, and he's like, um, you know, doing the towel and doing all these different things, putting him back in the chair. Well, in a similar way, after the the fake suicide attempt, um, you know, he gets him. He he they they do the thing around each other where he unwraps, I guess his I don't know his, his takes off his coat or whatever, gets him in a chair, gets his shoes off, and his, opens up this elaborate. Uh, covered with all these same shoes, but then get some, I don't remember if it was a drink or whatever, but they're just in such perfect sync with each other. It, yeah. it was just really a neat it, it, fun. Yeah. And I think it's, it's worth mentioning that compared to the Disney version, I would say both of these characters are a bit sharper here. Um, not like necessarily that they're smart, but like sharper edged mm. um, hook mm-hmm. is, is, I think I think he plays into the menacing even more than the Disney version, the original Disney version, rather than the sequel. Um, 
and and he's he's a bit closer to how that hook is, but this version of Smee, I think, is even more removed from the Disney version because the Disney version is very much kind of like the the lovable dimwit. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. get a sense that he's necessarily the smartest character. Whereas this version of Smee definitely like he feels like he's always got a secret. He's always got like plans and lots of thoughts. Yeah. Um. And he and he and he loves Hook and he loves being with Hook, but also like he knows how to take care of number one. Right. That's I. Yeah, I can see that being Hook's number two is yes. part of taking yeah, care of he number feels, one here. Yeah, like in the Disney one, it feels much more like a, a number one henchman, whereas in this one, it, it feels more like a partnership, not that um, Smee is like giving orders necessarily, but that he helps come up with plans and he like is, you know, on kind of the same level of wit as Hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked... um when they uh, take is the is the son's name Jack Jack yes. yeah yeah when they take Jack uh, to the collection of clocks or whatever and and as they're kind of like freaking out about the uh, hook is like freaking out about the ticking and Smee smashing some stuff and at one point it just shows Jack and he's just kind of like laughing and with his teeth like kind of still touching like oh my god yeah, I, know, I know I know he did it so well oh my gosh that was such a good little actor because that was so believable he's like oh my god kind of I like, mean maybe what? he's just like I'm an actor in this movie and these guys are being so weird right that could, that could be genuine it felt, yeah it felt like that. it could have been in either way great job it was great it was great it was great um oh again the, the little the girl that played Maggie the daughter that's so flipping cute and when she sings and she sings her little song amber scott and uh charlie corsmo for jack okay oh i just love her little song and she's holding on to part of the ship and oh just a cutie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh it's interesting too one of my um favorite actresses and i'm i can't can't believe i'm gonna go blank on her name that played the younger wendy was it Paltrow? Yes. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Yes, I was like, was. oh my gosh. That, hey, was her, yes. that kind of segues nicely into talking about the cameos in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the first one I'll mention is Inspector Good that we briefly see um, mm. talking, talking to them oh, about, okay. yeah, we'll find your we kids or whatever. Phone, yeah. uh, that's Phil Collins, oh. the musician. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I will have to go back and look at that. Oh my goodness. Um, some other notable cameos. Musicians David Crosby and Jimmy Buffett, as well as Oscar-nominated actress Glenn Close and former F- NFL player Tony Burton all appear as members of Hook's pirate crew. I think it's safe to say Glenn Close has the most prominent role because yeah. she's a she's a, a pirate that uh, Hook <laughs> says is, is, is uh, not them. on his side or whatever. Uh <laughs> And she she's playing a, a, a male pirate, it would seem, um, and she gets locked in a a boo boo uh, box, which is pretty yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, they they put him the pirate in a box, and then there's a little flap, and they've like dropped scorpions into it. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you remember early in the movie when Tink is uh, bringing? peter to neverland and at one point she goes over a bridge and pixie dust falls on like this couple that are kissing mm-hmm. on the bridge and they yeah. float up a little yeah, bit i remember that well mom remembers that and uh that's george lucas and carrie fisher okay they're way too far away to be able to gosh. see but that's that's who those are that is, that is 
George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Oh my yeah. gosh, that is that is. Hilarious. I mean, Spielberg is friends with Lucas, yeah. and yeah. and Carrie, I think, has has had a pretty good relationship with them too. And and a thing that is often not talked about with Carrie Fisher is that she, for a long time, had a very prominent role doing a lot of script doctoring for yes. people that oh, often wow. went uncredited, which is includes this movie. Oh, she was Carrie hired to do some uh, work on Tinkerbell's lines in particular. Wow, she's awesome. But she was not credited for it. Oh, wow. Um, two of Hoffman's children, Jacob and Rebecca, both under 10 years old during filming, briefly appeared in scenes in The Normal World. Um, and screenwriter Jim Hart's 11-year-old son, Jake, um, plays one of Pan's Lost Boys. Not sure which one. But. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Is any of the Lost Boys, do you have them? What about them? Do you have them in your thing? Yeah. I'm... Are any of them named Jake? Uh, no, it doesn't. No. Like <laughs> so he's, he's not necessarily one of the prominent ones. Okay. Maybe he's the tall one at the end where it's like, where'd Maybe? this kid come from? <laughs> but that's probably spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's neat. I, I I love cameos, but again, I was like, Gwyneth Paltrow, I, I love her so much, but yeah. Yeah, I thought you'd get a kick out of Gwyneth being there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, is there anything else with non-spoiler story characters acting in general that, that we want to discuss? That, um, that banquet scene was really lovely. Where, like, he was making the speech for Wendy. Oh, yes, oh, definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, let's talk some about the uh, direction. Um, I I had two major things that I wanted to point out. The first is that I felt like the pacing and lighting and everything for the part where Hook takes the children and then when Peter and company arrive back at the house and discover the carnage kind of left in his wake is is great all of that's done very well um and creates quite a mood um yes. lo- lots of fun lighting stuff that they do there especially yes and yes. does that sort of yeah you can see instances of him doing those sorts of things oh yeah him, like so. it, it's spielberg yeah yeah um <laughs> eliza being on the stairs just like <laughs> that was a lot yeah. <laughs> like she would be by the door she would be unless no. they just caught them <laughs> Like she, just took the she, she had a bit of a panic attack. She's okay. like, I can't, I can't move. I just got to chill here. Maybe <laughs> she was holding her head. So I don't know if we were supposed to. She, she might've been, been unconscious you know. or something. Um, and then I, I love the set designs. Um, so I know good. they oh, catch flack love... for being obvious sound stages, but I, I want to go walk around that pirate ship and village, I especially. Know. I just want to exist there. It. Yeah, I mean, even story-wise, there's a, it's like a function of being a part of the imagination. Like Agreed. Yeah. Why, I don't... What what was the, other, the critics expecting, I guess? Not that, apparently. It looks so, so silly. Good. I loved it. I, I mean, it made me so immersed. Again, those pirate ships were just amazing. And, oh, I think, okay, sorry, I'm like, what did I just most recently read or see that had an elaborate, like, put-together pirate ships, but it was Dimension 20, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it's there somewhere, anyway, there's that part. But but just how they were, like, there were, there was the main big uh, Captain Hook's pirate ship, but then there was like a... 
like you said, a village or yeah, made out of pirate ships, you know, they that were all kind of almost combined. It was great. I, I want to go there. I know, I'm sure it's not I there know. anymore. I'm sure it's long gone. But. Yeah. And then interesting take on where the Lost Boys were mm-hmm. and their whole thing with the, the tracks and they'd zoom around on kind of on their tracks. Um, but it was almost like a skateboarding um, pit, uh, yeah. some parts of it. And then, and then it had different parts that were winter and, and rainforest almost. And, and when then they, when they would do the pullback of the island, just beautiful. And then when the actual room, the darling room and, and the house, mm-hmm. I loved it. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that room I loved and how those beds were set in that whole room in the window yeah. was amazing. All of the nods to Peter Pan in that room were really cute. Like, the hook on the window being Captain Hook's hook. Uh, the border that Peter looked at as he was, like, when the children were taken, I think. Yeah, I think so. And just noticing all of the details and the callbacks to uh, the story, the original story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's... Spielberg doesn't feel the same anymore <laughs> about... The, that set design and stuff uh, since the release of the film he's admitted in interviews that he wasn't proud of the film and was disappointed with its final result in 2011 he told Entertainment Weekly there are parts of Hook I love I'm really proud of my work right up through Peter being hauled off in the parachute out the window heading for Neverland I'm a little less proud of the Neverland sequences because I'm uncomfortable with that highly stylized world that today of course I would probably have done with live action character work inside a completely digital set Mm. But we didn't have the technology to do it then, and my imagination only went as far as building physical sets and trying to paint trees blue and red. And I disagree, Stephen. I do too. <laughs> In a I digital love. set, we'd make it look like Avatar now, or something. Now look, I will defend the Star Wars prequels to the death, but I don't want this movie to look like that. <laughs> for for me. A lot of people just generally hate the the digital sets and the prequels. For me, they kind they they work on the level that it kind of separates this reality from the original trilogy reality and like makes it this kind of more sleek digital world. But anyways, I I don't want that. I like that there's a physical set that Robin Williams can run around on. Yeah. You know, like I like that this is. Even if it ne- doesn't necessarily feel like a real world, it feels like a lived-in world. Yeah. I wouldn't yes. want it to... I mean, digital artists can do amazing things, but I love the fact that this is an actual physical set that the actors can act from. Mm-hmm. I think the the one thing that I can take from that and, and pull out and agree with is the lack of imagination and, like, painting crews red and blue and then not specifically that but like there was a, a food fight scene or like mm-hmm. a scene where they were imagining um, imagining the food that they were eating and whenever it transitions to being quote-unquote real or something the audience can see like the the chicken that was uh or turkey or whatever that was like ripped up like that it's like yes okay that we saw rufio eating that and we can intuit that that's what he was eating but then there was like pies or something with like colorful whipped cream something yeah, on top of it like, like that. that that i can see is to me was a bit underwhelming of what it turned out to be quote unquote for real mm-hmm. um and so maybe yeah taking a step back with somebody and like figuring out what 
either maybe not what a kid would like to eat because that would look at like something different too. Uh, but you wouldn't want it to be like, oh, fine dining or something that like an adult <laughs> thinks would be a good buffet type thing. So, yeah, but but what it turned out to be, I I think it could have been better. But but like hearing digital set, that just made me like, uh, no, sure. I wouldn't want that at all. I, I think in a perfect world, a, a version of this made now would have a combination of live action actual sets that are then enhanced with digital things. Um, and then maybe during flight sequences and stuff, that's where you can kind of go more ham with fully digital things. But like, I would want the the place where the Lost Boys live and the pirate ship and where the pirates live. I would want all of that to still be physical. And then you can enhance it with digital stuff. But like having it just be a, a a mostly empty room that all get gets filled in with cg is just yeah it's it wouldn't it wouldn't feel as good i don't know i just wouldn't want that no i just love the colors the textures how the lighting worked with it being real mm-hmm. um i also absolutely love the costumes and the clothing they chose captain hooks outfit was amazing and then when he had Smith was great too oh Smith was great too and when he had Jack be a mini Captain Hook um you just that all the details and the coats and the buttons and and the hair um the pirates I, I like what they wore oh when when the lost boys you know amped up for battle, oh my gosh, it was so neat where they would walk into things um, and have... That was... Oh, I loved so that. Good. Is that spoilers? I mean, we'll just say battle. Just I mean, being you know, vague, yeah, it's fine. Just be, um, um, but they they would walk into something and, and create a chest plate. Out it of, was you know, really like, good. Oh, I really just, loved that. Oh, There was, was something with cobwebs. Yes. <laughs> so good. Yes, yes. And then even little little Maggie's um, long um, little nightgown, just, you know, just the old in fact well i say uh, aging me i remember having something similar that my mom made for me out of kind of a thick i don't know uh not getting but, but just more of a th- i don't just know a fabric. thick thick fabric but that you know had kind of went up and almost had the little ruffles at the neck had the long sleeves and kind of the ruffles at the sleeve and then of course was was all the way to the floor flowy um but thick you know her little nightgown um Mom, I cannot believe you've gone this long talking about the great costuming in this and have not talked about Rufio's iconic look. Oh, yeah. No, he looked fantastic. He looks so good. He looks so good. Dante Mosca kills in, it. He was like in a, like a black leather. Yeah, I don't know. It had outfit, all sorts. Of, it could be a Final Fantasy of, character's outfit. Yeah. Like it was and belts hair, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. iconic look. It's mm. very good. Yep. <laughs> Let's start talking some about sound design stuff. This film score was composed and conducted by John Williams. Um, you know, you know that guy. Uh, he <laughs> no, I've was, never heard of him. <laughs> he was brought in at an early stage when Spielberg was considering making the film as a musical. Accordingly, he wrote around eight songs for the project at this stage. The idea was later abandoned, but uh, most of his song ideas were incorporated into the instrumental score. Mm. Um, though two songs survive in the finished film, We Don't Want to Grow Up, that the Lost Boys kind of chant, and When You're Alone, uh, which is what Maggie sings. Both okay. with lyrics by Leslie uh, Bracuse. 
And I want to now take this moment to uh, talk about my main beef with this movie, which is that it 100% should have been a musical and would have been better and probably better received if it was. Uh, The part where the the pirates are chanting Hook and William's music has a definite tune that is almost certainly like a theme song for Hook is begging for a musical number. Rufio deserved a musical entrance. Mm. She literally does sing at one point, which would have worked a lot better if this had been a musical the whole time. Like, it really is begging to be a musical and it is such a shame that it wasn't yeah, yeah it's a the the ball game that could, that could have been yes there's so there's so many things yeah. there's so many parts that just could have been Mwah. but it's still good i still enjoy this movie a lot but it it really should have been a musical and it is a shame that spielberg ended up backing away from that and i think even he at this point has admitted that he should have kept it as a musical um yeah uh williams does great work though uh do want to point out one of my favorite moments besides that part where the the pirates are chanting hook and the music playing there which is great hook's theme that just kind of recurs throughout the movie is wonderful every time um but i love the low men's choir while wendy's talking to peter about hook um that it's just kind of like this menacing low choir and it, it, it was great um yeah i mean John Williams did a great job. Um, this isn't necessarily one of my favorite scores of his, but that's just because I love the Star Wars scores so much. <laughs> um, it's good. Yeah, like, he he does great work here. Uh, yeah, and there was, uh, for Tink, just sound general sound design, sometimes her stuff was accented by bells or twinkles or whatever, uh, but, but sometimes not. So, yeah, I guess the having her actually being able to talk... Yeah, um, that by itself just sort of makes her feel very different. I think so. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably part of it, of, of her, instead of seeing her do things in exaggerated ways, her, you know, reacting by speaking or just talking and saying things directly is doesn't, you know, feel as feel the same as what we got in the original um, animated film. Anything else with this part? Um, I think so. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? I have notes. Um, First, a little bit more about Spielberg's feelings. Um, In 2018, Spielberg told Empire, I felt like a fish out of water making a hook. I didn't have confidence in the script. I had confidence in the first act and I had confidence in the epilogue. I didn't have confidence in the body of it. He added, I didn't quite know what I was doing and I tried to paint over my insecurity with production value, admitting the more insecure I felt about it, the bigger and more colorful the sets became. And I mean... The sets were great, so I'm not yeah. going to complain about that. Yeah. But yeah, Steven's real down on this movie now, um, which is unfortunate because I think it, I think it's a movie that meant a lot to a lot of kids. It certainly did to me. Um, warts and all. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that he, it seems to be hard for him to see the good in it anymore. Um, I mm-hmm. will agree with some of the stuff in that I do think that middle part is weak. Yeah. Character-wise and story-wise at points. 
uh, there were like those good scenes with the, oh, there's, you know, there's Peter. That, that stuff Mm -hmm. was super impactful, but some of the training things, this is, I mean, is this how's it hold up talk? Probably. Yeah, it's fine. Some of the training things um, felt long. Some of the uh, kind of the back and forth with like the memory thing that I talked about before. It seemed like things were kind of waffling character wise sometimes where a character would feel away at one point, then switch to another way. But then in a different in the next scene, it, it kind of tilted more back towards the first state. And, and that felt kind of at the whims of what the story needed versus maybe what it the character would have been feeling. I don't know. So, yeah, I guess I guess I can agree with a little bit of that. Sure. Oh, I this isn't necessarily has a hold up. I don't know where else to put this because I didn't do it earlier. Uh, while in an interview for, with Collider Games in 2020, Dante Bosco revealed that he is working on an animated prequel series about his character Rufio. That sounds dope. Looking forward to that. Let's talk about Dustin Hoffman. In 2017, seven women accused Hoffman of sexual misconduct. A woman who was 17 at the time alleged that while working as an intern on a TV production of Death of a Salesman, Hoffman made inappropriate jokes and comments around her and asked her to uh, give him foot massages. Hoffman released an apology to the 17-year-old intern who alleged harassment, but denied wrongdoing, saying, I have the utmost respect for women and feel terrible that anything I might have done could have put her in an uncomfortable situation. Continuing, I am sorry, it is not reflective of who I am. Online magazine Slate reported in 2017 that Meryl Streep had said that Hoffman groped her breast on their first meeting. However, a representative for Meryl Streep responded to Slate saying it was not an accurate rendering of their 1979 meeting. Streep's representative stated there was no, there was an offense and it is something for which Dustin apologized and Meryl accepted that. Streep has also referred to an incident when Hoffman slapped her rather than pantomiming a slap while filming a scene in Kramer vs. Kramer. In 2017, comedian John Oliver unexpectedly questioned Hoffman about the allegations during the 20th anniversary screening of Wag the Dog at the 92nd Street Y. It's not reflective of who I am. It's that kind of response to this stuff that pisses me off, Oliver said. Do you understand how that feels like a dismissal? Hoffman said that he felt blindsided by the line of questioning, remarking, You've made the case better than anyone else can. I'm guilty because someone has alleged something. I'm guilty. You push a button. It's all over the world. I'm a predator. I'm this and that. And it's it's not true. Huffman has not publicly responded to the other six allegations. Uh, so yeah, that's that's Dustin Hoffman. Um, he kind of sucks, but you know that's just not indicative of who he is as a person or whatever. Um, yeah, so uh, that is something to temper <laughs> um, the appreciation of his acting in this movie. Uh, he did a good job. Uh, he does suck as a person. Um, some other things, um, they definitely do keep using not the word Native American, don't they? (laughs) Like, several times in the movie, uh, they just use a certain other word that I bleeped it when mom said in our Peter Pan episode (laughs) that Mm. I've been editing. Um, yeah, they, they, they say that a couple times, uh, Native Americans never actually show up in the film. Um, they clearly didn't want to actually touch that, but still felt comfortable enough for referencing them. Yeah. Even in one of the, um, the game, uh, montages, like the, the kids are wearing feathers and things like that. 
Yeah. So I it the influence is is there um, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of fat phobia too in here, especially during the like training montage. They keep talking about how fat he is and stuff, and you know, um, thump 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 butts. Uh, whole way that he fights towards the end involves rolling into a ball, like you know, fat people can do, I guess. Which I get it. Like it's it's a silly, fun kids fighting thing, but. There's definitely some some fat phobia going on in here. Um, it's it's not the most egregious, but it's there. Um, but the the main thing that I want to talk about. So um, a little uh, just a little bit before our spoiler cutoff, we uh, see some uh, flashbacks to when Peter's younger and stuff. And at and at one point we see the scene in which he decides to leave Neverland and stay in the real world or the normal world, whatever. Um, Which is, he goes and he uh, visits Wendy and she is old now and she mentions that she has a granddaughter um, who is Peter's age, 13. And Peter uh, goes over to her and kisses her while she is asleep and Wendy just kind of lets that happen. And why did you let a boy kiss your granddaughter while she's asleep, Wendy? What the hell? <laughs> um, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be romantic, too. And it's like, it's not? <laughs> she's asleep. She doesn't know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That part was unfortunate. Yeah, very. I just, I don't, I don't know why it was written that way yeah why couldn't she have just woken up yeah and then and then he could have been like i want to kiss you or something and then if she said yes it's like okay well you guys just met but hey at least if you're cool with it but she's asleep yeah yeah Yeah. and wendy just lets that happen yeah um which i also think it goes for how's it hold up when when he's doing a flashback scene he was a baby in a stroller and it was, I, you're going to laugh, but no, this is. No, this I'm going to bury this, my face in my hands like yeah, I just did. Yeah, this, this is like, does not hold up because not only was he in this big, big stroller, but this is what I don't, sorry, is that it's way away from the mom who's talking to someone and he met, well, he, and he lets himself roll off, but no one notices that this stroller's going off and then no one finds this missing stroller that capsizes itself with a baby laying on the ground crying. I don't know. Tinkerbell found him. Is this what I'm going to be like if I have children? Like, is this what I'm going to do? Is just be like every instance of like something slightly, something slightly like scary for a child i'm gonna be like mm, i just don't know if that holds up <laughs> it's it's like it's a it's a memory of a memory mom it's not it's like in silhouette as it goes down the hill chill out bad parenting oh my no. god <laughs> okay we're officially done with this part now let's go on to our spoiler alert skip to one hour eight minutes and 12 seconds Okay, it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about the thing that I just could have done if it was just not a part of this movie. Would have been great. Tink grows big and she kisses Peter. 
And I remembered that part as a kid and feeling like it was weird and not really enjoying it. And guess what? I still feel that way. <laughs> I, I get that in the Disney one, like the reason that she wants to murder Wendy is because she has some sort of like jealousy over Peter. So like, it's not unfounded for her to have feelings with him for him. That's not the problem. The problem is that what did this do for the movie? <laughs> what did this do for his character arc? What did this contribute other than a lot of questions and an awkward scene? Yeah, that I, I think the only other thing is the confirmation or the recollection of Moira. Uh, but still, I, I agree. I can think of a lot of other ways that could happen. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, like, have a picture of your kids in your wallet. Since she took the stuff from his wallet, she poofs out and he sees it on the ground before she can actually kiss him or, you know, not even have that. But yeah. I agreed and in, in kind of falling back to the ladies just do that around Peter thing. It was like, yes, like even she obviously wants to kiss him and like her wish was to, I guess, be big enough to do that or well, I don't know. Why did she get a, where did wishes come into this? I don't know. She's just suddenly like, this was my dearest wish to be big or whatever. So then and I, I don't know where, yeah. where did that come from? Yeah. Where did the wishes thing come from? And then she's just suddenly big for some reason and she kisses him and, and he's like, oh, wait, I have a wife. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's part of why this whole scene has been very awkward for me to watch. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. It doesn't feel like it contributes anything. No. And, and at the end, he does kiss his wife. And I, I think to me, there might have been an intention of co contrasting it where like Tinkerbell and Peter kiss and there's, he doesn't like do much. Or whatever, but, like, he kisses his wife and there's, like, a big old hug and all of that. But it's, like, still, I don't really And do you that. also, like, when he's back in the, the real world or whatever, like, Tinker, Tinkerbell has, like, a teary farewell that's, like, clearly she still loves him or whatever. And I'm like, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... The, if she was just sad because she doesn't feel like she's ever going to see him again... I could try to buy into that emotion, but I don't buy into their ro like a romance thing, an unrequited thing. I just don't like it's because nothing. there's been like supposedly like a thirty plus year gap. Um, She's known him since he was a little baby child. Yeah, yeah. And I just, yeah. Which I'm not going to be like, oh, she's such a creeper. She's like a fairy or whatever. It's magic rules, whatever. That's not my issue. My issue is that I don't care about this. And it just, it comes out of, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't, like, you could maybe read into looks and stuff and like the fact that she cares so much about him. But like, there's not a lot that leads up to this happening. Mm -hmm. And it really, it doesn't feel like it contributes. Yeah. He just get gets to the house and she's in this dress with this hair and all of that. Yeah. And it's also, to me, a little bit contradictory for her character because, okay, right before that, when he completely transforms into Pan, then the, the Neverland magic kind of a forgetting kind of comes in because he starts kind of acting childlike. And she reminds him before that, you know, you're here to save your kids. And he's like, I have kids. And, and so... 
And then at the, the point then after that where she, he goes, you know, to the house and she's all dressed up and he's like, oh, you look pretty. She, he's still acting very childlike and not quite remembering everything. And so she also then reminds him again of his children and, you know, and that's when she kisses him and then he's like, no, Moira, Moira you know, then remembers his wife. So I, I, understand, I buy the playing into kind of the Neverland forgetting, but you know, then I'm supposed to believe that she's carried this torch for him for 30 something years. And again, it was just very awkward. It just, to me, almost her growing big and wanting to kiss him to me was almost as creepy as him kissing Moira as a sleeping young girl, you know, without, you know what I mean? Without that. It wasn't for me, but I also don't blame, like, it makes sense to me that you would feel that. I was just like off put by the whole thing from the gig. Like, I don't. I I can understand a reading of it as creepy, but it doesn't feel creepy to me. It just feels stupid and like pointless and like well, why and, is and, this happening and, for and, me? Yeah, but no, I no, no. I understand why it would feel well. Weird. And I would say creepy isn't quite the word. I guess pushing yourself on someone. I guess is why. Sure, sure. It, it was it was the reason it was so uncomfortable to me is you know clearly this is a man that that you know loves his children. You don't know about it. Whatever his wife, but you're pushing me because you know you're pushing yourself what he's supposed to say in Neverland now with you for the, you know, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. There's, there's like, there's too, too many kisses of either dubious or non-existent consent. And that's just uncomfortable for yeah. everyone. Why is it yeah. like that? Yeah, not well written there. Maggie just kind of disappears after a certain point in the movie, huh? She just yeah. is kind of gone until she needs to be damseled and rescued. Like, she gets taken out of the scene by Hook. And then a little bit later, she sings a song, and then you just do not see her again until it is time for her dad to rescue her. And I yeah. feel like that's unfortunate. I know, because she's such a good little actress. I guess they didn't have, yeah, I guess they just wanted to focus so much on the Jack and converting Jack storyline that they, yeah, they just had her tucked yeah. away in the ship. Um, one of my notes here is just Rufio and then the sad face. Yeah, they did oh. him dirty. <sighs> yeah. I think that would be another thing that I would have wanted to see more in the in the Neverland stuff is more characterization for Rufio. Yeah. Especially for his ending line, which is not for him. It was for Jack. And that I didn't like either. Yeah. About like wanting a dad or whatever. Yeah. Unless Rufio had a kind of a heart to heart dad situation. With yeah. Peter like Pan. a scene like Thudbutt had where he talked to him a little bit. Either that or, or, or they're kind of sparring, but it, it transitions to something with, Peter helping him in that fatherly like role that I would have liked that like then that line would have made more sense to me but for him to say that at the end is his last words didn't didn't make sense to me yeah yeah I mean it feels like the 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 point at which he like kneels and hands him the sword like around there you really need to give him another scene to really justify that being his end. Yes. Oh, but we forgot to talk about the time when Rufio tried to start a chant for himself. No, that was so embarrassing for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I forgot to point out, or, or it came to me when we were talking of like, 
Peter had his tights, and then Rufio had his tights. Like, he still had his cool outfit, but he still had red tights under it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's very funny to me. Yeah. I've always hated how Hook cuts Peter's arm with his hook. It makes me go, oh, ugh. It makes yeah. me go, ugh, and especially yeah. did when I was a kid. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I did love when his son was like, bad form. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like the crocodile falling on Hook there at the end was just so iconic for young me. I was like... Every time it was starting to happen, I was amped for it. I was like, oh, the big crocodile. He's going to fall down. I need him. I just like seeing the actor jump It was really good. Body. It probably wasn't Hoffman at that point. It was probably a stunt uh, actor. Yeah, he's like, I got to get it. Like, this can really like, hurt. He's like, I've got to try to look like I'm trying to get away while also actually making sure I go directly in that mouth and don't get hurt by this yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really cool crocodile, and, it and was. just a really good, I neat idea. And then, and then, yeah, it couldn't have been a better ending with Hook was just gone, like he had disappeared. He was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. Um, Choosing Thudbutt as the new leader was yes. the right choice, uh-huh. the correct, the only correct choice. <laughs> um, I liked Smee sweeping in the real world. I mean, we could. We could try to say, oh, is that is that really him? But I choose to believe that's definitely Smee. Because, <laughs> like, the last time we see him, he's, like, he's stuffed a bunch of, of, of gold and stuff in his pants, and he's and he's hauling it out of there. He doesn't stick around to see how the b- duel between Peter and, and Hook goes. He leaves. How does he get out of there? How does anyone get out of there, babe? There maybe, he, maybe he squirreled away some pixie dust. He, go- yeah. he goes and he's like... <laughs> Tink here. Please give me some pixie dust and I will never bother you guys again. (laughs) And she's like, I've always found you kind of charming. Okay. (laughs) Or maybe one of the ladies had pixie dust. Ooh. And so, yeah. There's like like an an underground pixie dust, uh, like ring of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they're, okay. They, they, for them to come there and and kidnap the kids. Yeah, they've got to have something. They have to have some way. That's That's super fair. So, yeah. So that's and remember he did some scouting beforehand. You're right for mm-hmm. for hooks. So exactly, they have to have some way of getting there. So that's def- it's definitely him. It was kind of that green smoke, you know. And then he yeah. like said, and then he like makes a joke at him or whatever, and it's like he knows exactly yeah, he who knows. this is. You know, what if he spends like off weeks in the real world? Uh, <laughs> I'm totally gonna be out here like. Doing my uh, reconnaissance, but then he's he got his he has his job. It's, <laughs> what he's really doing is like setting up a life for himself. Because he know he knows this pirate gay isn't going to be forever. He he loves Hook, but he also knows that Hook's going to be his own undoing someday, and he's not going to stick around for that. Or maybe he's like trying to get Hook. He's like, when we retire, I've set up a place, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's he's hoping Hook comes with him, but if Hook isn't going to come with him, he's going to go. Yeah, like yeah. he knows he's just gotta leave at some point <laughs> you can't sometimes people have got to help themselves Truly. and if Hook doesn't decide to help himself you know that you've done all you can do For, yeah exactly <laughs> I love this <laughs> um Toodles got his marbles yes. uh, maybe cry. <laughs> we forgot to talk about Toodles oh, Toodles, Toodles is darling just this this kooky old man at the very beginning but but he was a lost boy and when he tells when he tells Peter Pan that he had lost his marbles, Arthur, he believes Arthur it. Mallet is who plays him. He's a very endearing face acting old man. He does yes. a great job. Yes. Anything else with spoilies? 
no more spoilers. None, none of it. <laughs> Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? And if it's spoilers, be vague. It's spoilers for me. I talked about it a lot in spoilers, and it involves Tinkerbell. That's all I'll say. Oh, so I guess I'll go with the uh, the kissing one in spoilers. Yeah, I was thinking. Or no, that's not spoilers. You decided the flashback before. Oh, yeah, you mean the flashback kiss? Yes. No, that's not spoilers. Flashback kiss. Uh, Moira. With yeah, Peter where Peter, yeah. young Peter kisses young Moira. Yeah, no, that's fair. The reason that's not my least favorite, is, even though it's obviously egregious, is because it's pretty short compared to the other scene that I dislike. Sure. It's not short enough, but <laughs> it's not as long as the scene that I like especially dislike. Yeah, so. yeah. To me, they're all kind of on equal par. The, the two scenes you all said, but then I'm going to just say the third scene because they're two, kind of synony- synonymous with me. Then is the uh, the mermaids, the three kisses. Oh, yeah. oh, that, because again, that goes on long and the fair. kisses were just Pretty much every time kissing is happening besides between a man and his wife, bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you've clearly established this is a married, a happily married man. You know, yeah. you could argue that the mermaid kisses his dubious consent too, but at least it's keeping him alive. But it's like, did he need all three of them? Yeah, or? it's like his hands were tied, but somehow they're untied. I guess there was other mermaids. Maybe one of them untied. Well, yeah. regardless. Anyway, uh, I forgot to bring up. I forgot to say some of the stuff at the beginning with the office people. Oh, was really funny. Yeah, they're such dorks. I love it. It was funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, some of it though, it's like, okay, what are you trying to say? That he is like a fun guy, but just in this weird business way. Yeah, like he's too focused on business rather than what really matters. They're like quick drawing cell phones. It's like, dude, your kid's game, man. Yeah, Yeah, right. But then they're all like. Helping him, like, it's flying isn't as bad, like, it's it's worse to do whatever, and it's like, don't let your arms get tired, like, I don't know. It's it was, so silly. Some of that stuff was very silly. Yes, yes, yes. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene. Mine is, I think I, mine is gonna have to be, there's just, there's so many good scenes, honestly. This is a hard decision, but... That tugs at my heart and just always will is when um, the little the little lost boy says, "Oh, there you are." Oh, there and, you, you know, are, Peter. There you are, Peter. And yeah, um, and is with his little face and had him kneel down and just discovering, trying to see, see Pan in the grown up Peter. Is it cheating to say pretty much any scene where Bob Hoskins and Dustin Hoffman are like? playing off of each other yeah (laughs) i mean again i know that the 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 suicide threat is super problematic but that whole that whole scene is probably my favorite i also did quite like the airplane scene actually there was a lot of good humor there you remember like Mm, when when he's on the plane like his kid yeah his kid has is really funny there and stuff i really like the kid like he's like rubbing his eye and yeah and, like, I don't know if he was just, if that just happened, but, like, it was really good. Like, yeah. that felt real instead of having him retake it because his hand was in his face. I love that they <laughs> used it. Yeah. Um, and my favorite, I'll say, it was the baseball scene because there's a lot of, like... That's fun. Smee being very silly physically. <laughs> the, uh... 
uh, Hook, like, doting on Jack, but then Peter is there, like, my Jack. Hook's got, like, a girl with him, but it's, like, he obviously doesn't, like, have any romantic interest. She's just, like, hanging out with him. Yeah, she's, like, like, a status thing. Yeah, exactly. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? This is a hard one, but I'm just going to say, um, and I don't remember what her name is, but the housekeeper. <laughs> just Liza. Liza. Mm, that's fair. Liza, because, yeah, she just, I guess, is... is mm, I might have to throw Liza under the bus, too. Oh, I like well, because I like, like, most of the characters is the thing. I know. Not I mean, seriously. I, and, and she wasn't that's, a bad character, that's the but second she was thing my I'm least favorite. Of. I... I'm not going to choose Liza because she's a, a pretty minor character. I think I am going to choose Tink. Um, oh, gosh, I think I thinking? Of? I think overall Tinkerbell isn't what I want. And I was okay with her for most of the movie, but she is also in the scene I hate the most in this movie and like the plot thread that I hate the most in this movie. But I'm so, so glad you said that. I'm I'm jumping ship because I yeah. just totally, you know, this is how much I don't like Julia Roberts. In the role. I totally forgot about her <laughs> as a character. I mean, I forgot about, about Tink because I think of the other all. Seriously, when I think about this movie, I just almost kind of blank out Tink. So I mean, yeah. I remember Tink specifically because I remember the scene I don't like. And it's a shame because like she does a lot of the plot moving. She of, does. Like, bringing Pan, brokering the deal to, like, give him a chance to remember who he is. Uh, and, I, and I don't think it's, like, because she acts it poorly or anything. Like, I think she's doing a good job with what she's given. I think it's what she's given that is the problem. Yeah, agree. Because otherwise, kind of the way they do it, they have a lot of cut shots to her because she's, you know, supposed to be tiny. So instead of Having her interact. She's just, like, smiling somewhere. Yeah, At the yeah. antics that are happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll have to agree, because a lot of other characters are just, they just function much better in the story. And again, like, she does a lot of plot moving, but on the other character moments, she isn't there, or the character moments she is there, like, we don't really like it that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of the problem is just the disappointment of wanting it to be better and more than it is. Um, Who is your favorite character? Now, Hook is very high up there, even though Dustin Hoffman's a creep. Um, But he does a very good job in this. So he's very high up there. But I think my favorite is Smee. I really... I love Smee more in this movie than I even remembered. And I remembered loving Smee in this movie. Um, I think Bob Hoskins does a great job. Um, this he's just so he's so good. I love I love him in this movie. So I think I think Mr. Smee's my favorite character. You know, I I really I love the kids. Um, I love uh, Jack and um, and Maggie a lot. But I think I'm gonna have to go with with Peter Pan with Robin Williams because. I just love Robin Williams so much, but I, I, I do love his overall portrayal. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Robin. Yeah. with Or with Peter Pan. <laughs> Sorry, Peter Pan. <laughs> Robin. Uh, yeah, it was interesting seeing Robin Williams acting throughout the movie in the beginning, him being, you know, serious businessman. But then whenever he meets Tink, you start to see more of like Robin Williams acting that he is known for. 
his cadence and and, and his physicality uh, that he wasn't doing before. That he, I guess he, you know, didn't have a chance to. And I think that kind of brings a little extra to character-wise of, like, it being in there, but he's too restrained to tap into it. So... Yeah, I guess I'll go with Peter Pan as well. Being able to see that and his physicality with the Lost Boys of him being, uh, like, going in between those two guys skating and, and, like, running out. And, yeah, he was very fun. A very fun actor. And and the character was was very, uh, was very good. What character would Tim Curry have played if he were in the movie? I mean... Hook. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) <laughs> get Dustin Hoffman out of there. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, yeah, Tim could be a great, like any, pretty much any of the pirates, but like obviously he could be great as Hook. I think he could be a very good Hook. Uh, if you want like cameo, maybe he could take one of the, like the police guy or something. <laughs> um, you don't want to waste Tim Curry though. <laughs> Tim. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. I think it's safe to say that we all recommend this yes. movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, rating, I will... I guess I'll go with a four. Yeah. I'm going to say four. Expanding or you're like, no, I'm good. I mean, like, it was a really enjoyable movie. Some problematic problematic elements. Um just all that all that kissing that don't need to be there yeah uh which i i get it it's like kiss thimble and you're playing sure. with that that's a part of the story but still like i think that was a a, a focus that 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 didn't need to be there like Agreed. you could still have that reference and make things impactful like relating to that but the way they did it i didn't i didn't like uh yeah i'll, I'll go for what about you? I know, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. I'm talking to her. Um, I want to know what she is. We always have to do it first. And then she comes in. Sometimes it's like out of left field. Yeah. Or just like. <laughs> That's interesting. It's my privilege. It, it feels like, it feels like, oh, were we correct? Whenever she says it, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to go with this. But That's not what it is. I, I know it's not what it is, but it, uh, sometimes it feels that way. I'm like, oh, darn, I was too high. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. Well, you know, it's interesting you say four because I was going to say 3.75 because it would have been a four, but because of some of the problematic elements. And then you said four and I'm like, oh, is that too low? But I I think I'm going to, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to stick to my guns and say 3.75 again, because it would be a four or even a 4.25 movie for me because if it weren't for, you know, some of the problems uh, with, again, just some scenes that don't need to be in there. But I'm not going to knock it down tons. So, yeah, 3.75, and I would definitely recommend it. Um, really enjoyable film. Yeah, pretty much what Mom said. I agree. Uh, 3.75, it would be a 4 without some of the issues that I feel like bock it down. Um, not the not necessarily the issues that critics apparently think bog it down, but the ones that I think bog it yeah, down. Sure. It would be a 4. Um, so, yeah, 3.75. I, I definitely recommend it. I think... I mean, this is my favorite Peter Pan movie I've ever yes, seen. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, definitely. I'm not saying better ones aren't out there, but I haven't seen them. I, I think this is certainly better than Disney's takes. Uh, we'll see when, when their new one comes out, Peter and Wendy. But yeah, I, I like Hook a lot. 
I definitely recommend it. Yes. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Thank Next you. Next time, we will be watching another movie with pirates sailing on the seven seas, but animated oh, um, okay. and from DreamWorks. Ooh, okay. All right. All righty. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank Thank you you so much. Love you all. Bye. 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 This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279 zero five six six every little bit helps and even with a minimum pledge you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed check it out for more info the two pieces of music used in this episode were created by kevin mcleod you can find both the curtain rises and cool cats at incomptech.com that's i-n-c-o-m-p-e-t-e-c-h.com Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. you say that sort of my yeah that didn't help with anything it's the point yeah Mm -hmm.